Look, I left it out again. Kids, you, you are dismissed. No! Oh, my man! <laughs> I left it out, I promise you. Redemption for me uh, screwing it up last week for you royally. It takes many, many people to make, make this sort of thing go and, and make it excellent every Sunday morning. And uh, Jaden has stepped up in the last several weeks and um, taken over the computer. And wow, he even surprises me, putting stuff in there that I don't even expect. So thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know until you've been there. <laughs> We've been through the, in this series, and, and this is it. This is the last week of the Upside Down. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. Was that you? Thank you, my man. The Upside Down, talking about kingdom living and the Beatitudes and how Jesus calls this new generation of New Testament believers um, who had been through the silent years and coming into this time, Jesus comes on the scene and He calls His disciples and He's, he's tempted in the wilderness and then He gets to this first really major public sermon on the mount and he gets up there and he starts to preach and and sort of the the prequel to all of this he's setting up the sermon on the mount with with these beatitudes and it's it's somewhat of a of a shock to those people that are sitting there because they're used to they're actually used to silence for several hundred years and then Jesus comes on the scene and says this is how we're supposed to live and so we've been looking at how that's sort of an upside down way to look at uh, life because people are used to another thing. You know, blessed are the, are the poor in spirit. Wait a second. You know, blessed are the meek. Wait a minute. It seems to me that the ones who get blessed are the ones that take stand and, and aren't meek. Well, Jesus turns all of this on its head and he starts to talk about this new kingdom that's coming and, and his kingdom is here and how it's ca- kind of turning society upside down. And really, if you fast forward to even today, right in this moment, when you read those Beatitudes and you see how a Jesus follower is to live out their days, it's really sort of upside down and backwards, this kingdom living. And we're going to dig into the final week of the upside down here coming up. But this morning, I'd like to introduce you first to someone by the name of Andrew Brunson. Has anyone ever heard of the name Andrew Brunson? I'll remind you, you might remember, Andrew Brunson was originally from North Carolina. It's possible that you've seen his face on that national news years ago. Uh, Much of his adult life, he was actually a missionary in Turkey, where he was the founding pastor of the Izmir Resurrection Church on the west coast of Turkey. And on July 15th, 2016, there was an uprising within the country uh, of Turkey in which a group of the armed forces of Turkey attempted to overthrow the Turkish president. There was a coup. It was a failed attempt, and in response to this political uprising, the government didn't really like that too much, they took and imprisoned tens of thousands of people in the country who were suspected of rebellion against the government. And among these people who were suspected of being disloyal were many religious leaders and missionaries. They were imprisoned. And Andrew Brunson was one of these prisoners. And at one point, they were trying to prosecute him and sentence him to 35 years in prison, a Turkish prison. He He would have been put in prison at 48 years old, so really this was a life sentence in the Turkish prison. 
And there's no evidence of Andrew Brunson ever being involved in anything like part of the uprising or anything illegal in Turkey. He was being kept as a political prisoner. The country of Turkey was attempting to use him as leverage for the U.S. to deliver someone in the States to them. You know, they sometimes do that. So the U.S. government and the ACLJ got behind this and take, took on his cause And many world leaders were paying attention to this and fighting for his cause. And in the heat of it all, they were trying to prosecute him and keep him in prison. And through all that, during the thick of it, right in the heat of it, he said these words. Let it be clear, I am in prison not for anything I have done wrong, but because of who I am. I'm a Christian pastor. I desperately miss my wife and children. Yet, I believe this to be true. He said, it is an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ as many have before me. When I read these words of Andrew Brunson, I feel very inadequate to preach on the passage that we come to this morning in God's Word. I feel unqualified and inadequate. And He said, I believe this to be true. It is an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ. Some of you know where we're going in this passage passage of Scripture. We come to the final section of the Beatitudes. This series of of really uh, portraits and promises of what people in this new kingdom are going to look like or should look like. We've been exploring Jesus painting this portrait for us. A picture of what those who call themselves Jesus followers, who call Jesus King, they give their lives to follow Him. He's painting this picture of what these followers should look like. What devoted followers of Christ should look like. And if you're at that point in Matthew chapter 5, we're at the bottom of the Beatitudes, but if you look up and sort of review... This is what the follower of Jesus is supposed to be, supposed to look like. And we've seen throughout this series, the the people of this new kingdom are are sort of upside down from the the world around them. It's an upside down kingdom. They're, They're the kind of people you wouldn't expect. Jesus started with blessed are the poor in spirit. And I don't think the people of that day were expecting what this new kingdom would look like. Poor in spirit? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, remember. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And then this morning we come to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. And it says this, that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. This is a hard passage, right? We read this. Hold on a second. Persecuted, blessed are the per- wait a minute. Blessed. This word that we've that we talked about means, you know, fullness of life and full of delight and enjoyment and happy and blessed are the persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This deserves some investigation. 
The kingdom of God, as Jesus paints the portrait here for us in Matthew chapter 5, is an upside down kingdom. The kingdom where, where God is the central folk. God is the most important thing. In this kingdom, for people who call themselves kingdom people, for those who have given their lives to follow Jesus, and we make Jesus our king, we give our lives to follow him, we start to see that our values, our priorities, the things that we think are important, we come to live our life upside down when we start to follow Jesus' words. And I come to this passage. And I honestly feel when I read this that blessed are the persecuted. I really feel like, okay, how does this Lord have relevance to to us, to me? Because I don't think that I've really ever been, and if you're really honest with yourself, I don't think we've ever really been persecuted. When I read the words of Andrew Brunson, who says it's an honor to suffer, for the name of Jesus, and he sits in a Turkish prison awaiting a death sentence. Man, I've never been persecuted like that. Yeah, amen. Sure, there have been times when I've been misunderstood because of my faith, and there are times when I could say I've been insulted, but persecuted? Persecution if you look at it in the global scale of people who follow Jesus and and we're mission-minded here in the Church of the Nazarene, you know, we show these clips of Operation Christmas Child and other things and Alabaster and all of that so that we can physically get a glimpse of what the world looks like outside of this little corner of the earth. And I ask the Lord, does this have relevance for us here in Hermitage, Pennsylvania? Mentioned in the brand new Ryan Stevenson song, by the way, look it up, follow him on Instagram, all that. It's pretty cool. But does it have relevance to us here in our corner of this world? Where we gather in a place, right? Where we really, we don't fear that we come to worship in the name of Jesus. And one of the things that I read when I read these words is that God is pointing us to a reality that is deeper than just persecution on, on the just persecution. He's pointing us to a perspective that people who are persecuted have. And I think it's a perspective that I hope you and I can learn from and maybe even perhaps allow the Spirit of God to bring about in our hearts and in our minds. It's the perspective of the persecuted. It's that the kingdom of God is more important than the comforts of this world. That's perspective. We don't fear gathering together. We don't necessarily have people threatening our very lives for mentioning the name of Jesus here. But it's a perspective that those people have that we can share in. That our comforts in this world are not as important as the kingdom of God. Notice what kind of persecution is mentioned here. What's the reason for persecution in this passage? It says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And then the passage goes on, and this is really the only beatitude that Jesus sort of unpacks a little bit or expands on for us. 
There's verses that follow here unpacking this idea of persecution and what it means for the people of the kingdom. And I think that we can draw from this, what we can draw from this, Jesus is really emphasizing this is a, a picture, persecution is a picture of the perspective of the people of the kingdom that they're supposed to have. This perspective. And I think that applies to all of us, this persecution perspective. That the comforts of the world, the comforts of our world, are not as important as the kingdom of God. He goes on in verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you. Oh, okay. So he's unpacking persecution. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, notice this, because of me. Let's take a moment and establish what persecution is not. Because I think in the American church, sometimes we think that we call things persecution that really aren't persecution. You know, persecution is not when you suffer because you are um, a religious bigot, right? Because persecution, right? When persecution is not when people call you names because you were impolite in society, when you were rude to someone in the name of Jesus, that's not what persecution But If you're a jerk, then you got treated like a jerk. That's not persecution. Persecution is not when Christians are stingy with their tip on Sunday after church and the waiter kind of gives you the, the eye, the stink eye, right? That's not persecution. Persecution is not the fact that they don't say Merry Christmas at Starbucks. That's not persecution. Persecution is when it is because of righteousness, because of Jesus. And so when we suffer because of our needs and our things, something that we did for our own sake in our kingdom, that's not persecution. And I guess what I want us to realize this morning is that persecution is when we suffer for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of ourselves. We suffer because of Jesus, because of righteousness, the scripture says. We looked at that in the Beatitude number 6, or in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And this word righteousness, right, is Jesus is using it for those who live a right kind of lifestyle. Like all of those previous and all of those Beatitudes that are listed there. The kind of lifestyle that matches up with who we are as kingdom people. And we have to face the fact that in, in America today, our desire to live a righteous life may face some opposition. Will face some opposition. And the reality that, that just jumps off the pages of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 5 is that the kingdom of God, for those who really call Jesus their king, there's a vast difference in priorities than the priorities of this world. And that will run at odds sometimes. We will be at odds with the priorities of this world when we ha- seek the priorities of the kingdom of God. We will, we will run at odds 
with the, with the kingdoms of this world. It's a promise we have all throughout Scripture. In fact, in 2 Timothy verse 3, or yeah, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That seems like a pretty general statement and pretty general, like thrown out there. Everyone who wants to live will go, okay, well, what Paul's realizing when he writes this to young Timothy, who's a who's the pastor, he's realizing that. That the statement that the kingdom of God is at odds with the kingdom of the world because the kingdom of this world prioritizes comfort, it prioritizes self, doesn't prioritize the kingdom of God. It prioritizes self. So the kingdom of God, we're talking about this kingdom. Jesus has come to establish the kingdom of God. It prioritizes the king. It prioritizes the name of Jesus. And so as we read these words, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. It says this, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Back to the Beatitude, he says this in the, in the, very, the very next verse in Matthew, rejoice! And be glad. Wait a second. Hold on, Jesus. We're going to be persecuted, and now you're telling us to rejoice. Again, upside down. We're talking about you being called names, being insulted because of the name of Jesus, being falsely accused. Andrew Brunson, maybe you, maybe someone you know. Because of the name of Jesus. As I followed the case of Andrew Brunson all the way through, as I was sort of stumbled upon him during the research for this, I followed the case there on trial that the, in Turkey, the circumstantial evidence they were trying to piece together to falsely accuse him, it, it was astonishing. It's like, how could you, you can't even get there through the, through the steps of logic. You can't even get there for Andrew Brunson to be, to be convicted. But how did this even kind of happen? How did he even get there? And then I read in Matthew 5 that the reality for those of us that make Jesus our king is that the kingdom of God is going to be against, at odds with the kingdoms of this world. And then it says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And this is the perspective of kingdom people. It's the perspective that the king of the kingdom of God, Jesus, God himself, is more important and more precious to us. And that we could actually delight in the suffering because it means that it's more important, his kingdom is more important than the comfort of this world. We can delight, we can rejoice, we can be glad because we're not looking into what we can receive from this world. But what we receive after this world. Your reward, it says, is in heaven. There's that reward. That's the promise. You notice in each of the Beatitudes, we have this picture of what kingdom people look like. The persecuted. And then we have this promise that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it says, great is your reward in heaven. 
But not only is there that reward that kingdom people look to, they look to the reward of the kingdom of God where Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's enough reward for me. That's enough reward for me. But there's that fellowship in this, this same passage. There's that fellowship of those who have gone before me. What I love is I read this and it says that in the, in the end of verse 12 it says, For in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. And remember when we, I introduced you to Andrew Brunson. There in the Turkish prison he says it's an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ as many have before me. There's a comfort in that. That we don't do this kingdom opposition alone. We don't face this opposition alone. We take on the perspective of the persecuted. We take it on this idea that the king of our lives is not our comfort. And we're not alone. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Many of us, the majority of the people in this world, are trying to build their own kingdoms, trying to build a, a safe retirement, trying to build a, a, a good, peaceful family, trying to build a good job, trying to make their little kingdom. But I'll tell you something this morning, that each of us that's trying to do that, when, when the battle comes, the kingdoms that we built will not stand. And then we'll have that internal battle with ourselves and the kingdom of God is saying, are you willing to give up your kingdom for the kingdom of God? And that is the perspective of the persecuted. They're willing to do whatever it takes. Recently in the news, I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard about this team that is in Haiti. This team of Ohio missionaries and one from Canada that have gone to Haiti for kingdom work. And they've been kidnapped. And now they're being held for ransom. Just a few days ago, there was still hope and still some evidence that they were alive. Persecution. There are brothers and sisters in Christ all around the globe who are way more qualified to preach this message this morning because they are literally putting their lives on the line for the sake of Jesus. We all live with so many comforts here. I was asked earlier in the service, is it too warm in here you think? There are people that don't have that option. Is it too warm in here? On the mud floor and the stone bench of the church in Africa, in the remote areas, I think the answer to, do you think it's too hot in here, would always be yes. <laughs> it's always too hot in here. But what Jesus is calling us to, how do we bring this to where we live? Here in the American church, we have a lot of comforts. He's saying the perspective of the persecuted. What Are you willing 
to give those comforts up for the sake of Jesus Christ? Is the reward is the reward of the king where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that more important to you than building your kingdom? And that's what I think Jesus is calling us to here in this passage. He says, rejoice and be glad. It points us to our delight. Where do you find rejoicing? When do you rejoice? Is it in the kingdom that you're building? Or is it in the kingdom that Jesus is building? God's calling you and I this morning to radically change our perspective. As I've been saying all along during this whole series, if you will apply this to your life, your life will be different. It will be different. Will we radically change our priorities? Building our kingdom? We focus on building our kingdom, right? How to get up and go to work. How to make the donuts. How many remember that, right? Got to go up. Got to make the donuts. Priorities. Got to go. Got to make what I can to save what I can to provide for my family. To blah, blah. I get that. I understand that. But I want to refocus our priorities this morning. It's hard decisions. It's the perspective of the persecuted. Are we willing to give it all up for the sake of the kingdom? It means at times we will be at odds with the kingdoms of this world. And the reality is that we will be persecuted because we don't agree with the kingdoms of this world because we live in an upside down kingdom as Jesus followers. And again, I read these words and I'm challenged. I'm challenged to be that kind of person that lives in the kingdom of God here on earth. To be that kind of a Jesus follower, to be that kind of disciple. Do I have the perspective of the persecuted? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. That's a good name. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned in Germany. Great theologian, great, great, great man of our faith. Wrote these words. In the midst of all this persecution and suffering... This, then, is the badge of true discipleship. He said that discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ. And therefore, it is not surprising that Christians should be called upon to suffer. He says, in fact, it is a joy and a token of His grace. That's why over in 1 Peter, Peter says this. Dear friends... Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Don't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. He says rejoice when you face the fiery trials, one one translation says. Because we know That if you participate in the sufferings of Christ, you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. You putting the pieces together? 
We know that the fire is refining us and producing something in us that is greater than our comfort here on this earth. God wants to do something in you that is greater than your kingdom here on this earth. Greater than your comfort. For many of us, that's a hard reality to sort of let soak in into our hearts and lives. But that is true faith. That is what the Christian faith is calling us to. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Well done, my good and faithful servant. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're not alone. Andrew Brunson, in that same statement he made, said these words, I know that God's grace is sustaining me. Even when I do not feel that grace, I know that the prayers of God's people are surrounding me and giving strength. He says, one of my biggest fears is that I will be forgotten in prison. Thank you for not forgetting. He says, it reminds me that I am not alone And that I need to stand firm with my face pointed in God's direction always. And then he says this. To the extent that I am known, I want to be known as a servant and lover of Jesus Christ. I have prayed for this land and for this people for many years for God to pour out great blessing. In my weakness, I pray daily for strength and courage to persevere and remain faithful to my King until the end. Brothers and sisters, he says, in Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith in Jesus and said, I want to follow you, Jesus, I want to give my life to make you the King of my life. This should be our prayer. That we would persevere. And that we would have the strength and courage to persevere and remain faithful to our King until the very, very end. This is not a popular, feel-good, time-for-some-jokes kind of a message, I know. But I believe that Jesus comes to the culmination of all these Beatitudes and He says, now this. You're going to face some persecution. But you need to take on the perspective of the persecuted and take on that kingdom people, the king of our lives is not our comfort, it's Jesus. And Jesus says rejoice and be glad when you suffer for the name of Jesus because great is your reward that is in heaven. May we point our face in God's direction always. May we pray for those who are enduring persecution all around the globe. And it's my prayer that that would be our perspective. That I would start my day and end my night with the desire to be faithful to our King until the end. I will end with some good news. The good news is that Andrew Brunson was released from Turkish prison. (laughs) 
This persecuted man now has a different perspective on persecution. In fact, he says this about the church in America. And Andrew Brunson has the right to say certain things now. Would you agree? All right. Just back in September, uh, two months ago, someone interviewed Andrew and asked him this question. I'm curious now if you have any new perspective on persecution around the globe. Genius question. He said this, I actually think there are difficulties coming to the United States. And I believe, he said, there is a wave of persecution that is going to hit the United States church. And it's not going to be the same as in Nigeria or in North Korea, but nevertheless, it will be very significant. He said, I think we need to prepare ourselves to live as a minority in the United States. He says, and that's a real shift in the way that most people think. Not that the U.S. was a Christian country, but it was a culturally Christian country as far as many people having a favorable view of Christianity. And he says, so that's one of our assignments now in the States. To sound the alarm and say, prepare your hearts So that when the pressure comes, when the persecution comes, we don't get knocked out, but we stand firm, he says. He says, our focus is still the Muslim world, but this is our secondary assignment. The reporter says, why do you say that? What are you seeing? And here's what he said, I identify specifically two wedge issues. One is the exclusivity of Jesus' salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth. And not a way, not one of many. He is the way. And Andrew Brunson said is that one of the wedge issues is that exclusivity of Jesus' salvation. The other is his demand of obedience in a number of areas hotly contested in our culture. Listen to this. Such as gender, sexual morality, family, marriage, life, political justice. For those who remain faithful to Jesus in these areas... They're going to be seen as, as short-sighted, bigoted, not inclusive, unloving people of hate. And that means that they will be seen as a threat and marginalized, shamed, silenced, deplatformed, and canceled. There's social and financial pressure coming. And under this pressure, pressure, he says, I think there will be an exodus from the church. And if we do not prepare people to stand firm and be faithful to Jesus, then many will be knocked out. That is my concern, he says. It's not a political thing. Our culture has changed so dramatically that I think we are reaching a tipping point. Anybody else feeling that this morning? He says, I don't know that there will be imprisonment. Who knows what extent it will go to, but there will be significant pressure and many won't want to associate with the church of hate. Is anyone seeing this shift? Or is it just me? And I don't watch much news. And I can see it. 
I can feel it. It's in the workplace, it's in the school, it's in the government, it's in the rulers, it's in the people in power, it's everywhere. There is a shift. He went on to say this. He said, I'm also much more focused on heaven. Before prison, I obviously loved Jesus. I loved Him. I was in ministry. But even more now, I'm living for that day that I stand before Jesus. What we're really aiming for is to make it safely home. That's what really, really matters, he says. Are we faithful to the end? There is a seismic shift happening in culture. Things are changing in the last five years, maybe a little longer, that the last 50 can't keep up with. Things are so extreme and people are so ready to cancel and move on and I'm done and I'm this and I'm that. It's so extreme The smallest problem, canceled. You're out. The phrase that that I I don't even have words to say how much I can't stand this phrase that's so prevalent in our society and among people today. Two word phrase, I'm done. It's the phrase that people use all the time. I'm just done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want you to miss this. The phrase, I'm done. We live in this cancel culture, right? People are so ready to be done with this or that or whatever. Hear me, church. You ought to be thankful and have the perspective that Jesus had when he looked upon creation and our sinful nature and and the mess that we had made of his world and we just made a complete mess and continue to make a complete mess and Jesus didn't look down. God didn't look down and go, man, I am done. I'm done. I'm done with these people. You know what he did? He sent a savior. He sent a savior for you and me. When we didn't earn it, we surely didn't deserve it. He sent rescue for us. He didn't cancel us. He sent rescue for us. So that we might be joined back up with our Heavenly Father. And that someday we live this kingdom life here. That someday we can stand before a righteous, holy God... Because he sent rescue, we can stand before him and he says to us, not I'm done, not I cancel, not you're out. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in.
come on in. The perspective of the persecuted says, you know what? The things of this world, they could take a back burner. I'm going to focus on the kingdom of God and doing everything in my power to live as someone who represents that kingdom here on earth. Amen? Are you challenged? I hope you are. I am. I have grown. I have been stretched. I have been challenged studying, re-studying and re-reading the Beatitudes. And it's brought my life into check in some places. And I pray that it has you as well. Would you stand this morning? you bow your heads and we'll close I really feel that what the Holy Spirit wanted to speak to us this morning has been spoken and not all by the words that came out of my mouth but by the words that the Holy Spirit translated to your very hearts this morning so Father as we make this shift into the perspective of the persecuted, God, help us not to leave this place the same as we came in. Help us, God, to use every resource that we have. And I'm not just talking about financial, physical resources, but God, help us to remember to pray for the persecuted church and help us to remember those that have gone before us and that we don't have to face this tough persecution alone there are those Lord that you have brought through the fire previous to us being on this earth and God we can look to that example And we can lean on you, dear Jesus, because if you did it once, you'll do it again. You are faithful that way. I thank you, Lord, for challenging each one of us with these beatitudes and with this last beatitude and facing that perspective of the persecuted. We pray for those, Lord, that we know about. We pray for those hostages in Haiti, God, that you would keep them safe. But ultimately, Lord, they have this perspective that the kingdom is what matters. What's here on earth doesn't matter. Those things, moth and rust will destroy. But what matters is the things that are eternal, the things that are kingdom. That's what matters. Help us, God, to make that shift in our thinking. We so want to build our kingdom, right? Lord, we want to build what we have. We want to, we want to save and we want to work and we want to provide and we want to protect and we want, we want all of this here on, in our kingdom on this earth. But God, your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven that we might change our perspective to have that kingdom mindset that what happens, our comforts here, really don't matter. What matters is the kingdom. What matters is our king. God, help us 
in our brokenness and in our frailty and Lord in our shortcomings help us Lord to be a witness for this kingdom your kingdom to those that matter to us the most might we shine your light might we teach your priorities might we show this world that we are in this world but not of it we focus on those things that are eternal not temporal I thank you Lord for bringing each of us here this morning I thank you God for those of us those that are joining online that Lord they would be challenged as well as we all have been I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, who puts us in check and helps us determine if we are actually living for the kingdom. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, may we not depart from your presence. But thank you in advance for what you're about to do in each individual's life this morning that has heard this message. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you for dying for us, providing a way that we can be reconciled before a holy God. Help us with this, I pray, in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And everyone agreed saying amen and amen. God bless you.